chapter 14, verses 16 through 26. Again, that's John chapter 4, verses 16 through 26. And the word of the Lord reads as follows. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Amen. Well, recently someone, someone asked me if, if I had a favorite artist or a favorite singer. Well, the fact of the matter is my, my music taste is quite eclectic and and on any given day, you might find me listening to George Strait or KB. You might find me listening to The Temptations or Kurt Franklin. You might find me listening to Yo-Yo Ma or David Brubeck. But if you had to nail me down, if you twisted my arm and you put me in a corner and said that you would not let me out or let me go until I named one artist, then it would be without question the incomparable Sam Cooke. Sam Cooke was a legend before he became legendary. There has only been one. And before he became this huge pop singer with songs like You Send Me and, and Chain Gang, Sam Cooke was the lead singer of the most popular gospel music group in the country at the time, the Soul Stirrers. The Soul Stirrers. And with Sam Cooke as their lead singer, the Soul Stirrers' most popular song was the song, Jesus Gave Me Water. Jesus Gave a Water. Jesus Gave a Water. Jesus Gave a Water. We're going to let his praises swell. Jesus Gave a Water. He gave that woman water, gave her living love and lasting water, and it was not from the well. That's not bad. 
How do you like that one, Elder Bino? I must admit this morning, I, I could do a, I could do a, a Nat King Cole. I can't, I can't, I can't do Sam Cooke. There's only one. Jesus gave her water. And it was not from the well. There are a few accounts in the life of Jesus that is more memorable than is his encounter with the woman at the well. It is, it is not just the stuff of songs. His encounter with the woman at the well is the stuff of legend. The, the woman at the well is unforgettable. It is remarkable and it is powerful. It is etched. This encounter is etched in our minds and in our hearts as much as it is etched in the pages of history, indeed, in the pages of Scripture. Everyone knows her, even though no one knows her name. She's just the woman at the well. Jesus had two significant conversations. He had two significant, intensive, drawn-out conversations at the beginning of his public ministry. The first one we find in John chapter 3, right? The first conversation he had, he had with a man named Nicodemus. The second conversation that he had, we we find following on the heels of that conversation with Nicodemus, we find in John chapter 4, where he has this extensive conversation with an unnamed woman at the well. Now you examine these two conversations, and these conversations are unique to each other. There's so much that is unique to each of the conversations, and, and yet, when you think about the two conversations in contrast to one another, what you do is find that in contrast, they actually paint a unifying picture of the uniqueness of Christ. Let's think for a moment. Let's think for a moment about the significant differences between these two people that Jesus has these conversations with. One is a man. One is a woman. One is a Jew. One is a Samaritan. One has a name. The other has no name. One is a respectable teacher. The other is a societal pariah. One is a man of letters. The other is a woman of low understanding. One comes to Jesus as a nighttime visitor. The other comes to Jesus as a daytime encounter. These two, when you look at them side by side, could not have been more different. And yet, for all of their differences, Jesus treats both of them the same. Both sinners in need of Savior. Both lost needing to be found. Both blind needed to see. Both empty needing to be filled. 
And so for Jesus, there really was no difference. And I point that out because differences is what we see, beloved. Differences is what we see most. Differences are the basis upon which we judge. We judge certain people more worthy than others. We judge those who look like us as better than those who don't. We judge those who think like us and live like us as better than those who don't. And yet Jesus, in with his encounters with people, illustrates and demonstrates and presses upon us over and over and over again that as different as we may perceive we are, as far as he is concerned, we are all the same. We're all the same. As Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28 reminds us that there is neither Greek or Jew. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ. You are all one either in Christ or you are all one out of Christ. Yes, yes, Jesus spoke to them differently because he speaks to them where they are, but he treated them the same. To Nicodemus, Jesus spoke in such a way as to show Nicodemus that he is Messiah, the Christ who came to save. Jesus spoke to the woman at the well in such a way as to show her that he is Messiah, the Christ who came to satisfy. He is Messiah, the Christ, the one who saves, the one who satisfies. And you see this, right, as we reminded of last week in in verse 13 where the Bible says, Jesus told her that everyone who drinks from the well where she is drawing water will thirst again. And in 14, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In other words, Jesus came to give water. Living, loving, lasting water. And it was not from the well. This is the revelation that he is bringing to the woman at the well. As we saw last week, this was the beginnings of the conversation as he has begun to let her know that he is the one come to satisfy. And when she heard about this water, right? Remember last week, when she heard about this water, when she heard about the possibility of being, getting water from an everlasting stream, Her thirst was tweaked, and it was piqued. 
And she said, give me this water. See that in verse 15. Give me this water. I am tired of drawing from this well. I am tired of carrying these buckets, filled one day and empty the next. And so, like Oliver Twist, she pleaded, Please, sir, I want some water. Little did she know, beloved. Little did she know that this is the reason he came to Samaria. This is the reason he stopped in Sychar. This is the reason he sat down by the well. He didn't come to the well to get water from her. He came to give her water. This, this is the water that changes everything, beloved. This is the water that changes everything. When she says, please, sir, I want some water, the whole thing changed. That's the reason Jesus sat down by the well. He's going to give her water. Living, loving, lasting water. And it wasn't going to be from that well. It was going to be true waters. Waters that replace Waters that revive and waters that reveal. These were waters that replace. These waters replace, beloved, to her request. Please, sir, can I have some water? Jesus responded in verse 16. He says, Go call your husband and come here. And she answered him and said, I have no husband. And Jesus replied and said, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you live with now is not your husband either. Now, beloved, you know, admittedly, as you read that on Facebook, that sounds like a strange and odd answer to her request for water. I mean, what does her personal living situation and condition have to do with her requesting a drink from the Lord? Well, beloved, I hope we'll see this morning that it has everything to do with it. For what Jesus was doing at that moment in telling her and requesting that she call her husband and bring him there, What he was doing was revealing her real longing and thirst. She had come to the well to fill her bucket. Because her bucket was always getting empty. 
And every time she would fill it, it would only run out again. And when Jesus called for her husband, listen, beloved, listen to me. When Jesus called for her husband, what Jesus was doing, he was calling for her bucket. Bring me your bucket. He was calling and he was reaching for the bucket of her heart. Because her thirst, her thirst, and he knew it, and he was going to reveal it to her, her thirst was for relationship. The satisfaction and security of companionship. Somebody else say amen this morning. His insatiable desire to be in physical relationship. To think that there is some ultimate satisfying security in this earthly companionship. And like the whale, like the whale, each husband filled a bucket until the water ran out. And you know what she had to do then? She had to come back to the well and fill it again. And she was filling her bucket over and over and over and over again. You know what the Bible says in Isaiah 55 and verse 2? God says, why do my people spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. The waywardness, beloved, of her life is just the sinful inclinations of our own hearts towards self-satisfaction. In other words, rather than eat what is good for us, we, like children, would rather have Krispy Kreme and Kool-Aid at every meal. Krispy Kreme and Kool-Aid. Because we're hungry. Because we're thirsty. But I got news for you this morning, beloved. Krispy Kreme and Kool-Aid will not get the job done. Donuts and Kool-Aid are not the answer. And her litany of husbands, whether they're deceased or divorced, beloved, it didn't matter, revealed a deep longing and dissatisfaction. For at the end of every one of those relationships, she found herself singing like Mick Jagger. I can't get no satisfaction. But I try, and I try, and I try. 
And Jesus comes along and says, that's because you're looking for love in all the wrong places. You're looking for love in too many faces. Jesus said, sweetheart, I didn't stop by here to bring you Kool-Aid. I didn't come bringing donuts. I came to give you new life. The waters of saving and satisfying, the waters of thirst, quenching, and soul-satisfying life. Jesus was saying to her, you don't need another husband. You need Jesus. Did you hear what I said? You don't need another husband. You need Jesus. Beloved, I wonder, I wonder this morning if any of us, and perhaps all of us, probably think ourselves better than the woman at the well this morning. But I got news for you. We all have waters that need to be replaced. Did you hear what I said? We all have waters that need replacing. Waters from which we seek to satisfy our hearts. I know I'm telling the truth this morning. Every person in here has waters that need to be replaced. Waters from which you think you're going to find that satisfaction and completion. Whether it's your desire for a relationship. As you're thinking that if you get that one relationship, it's going to satisfy and complete you. Whether it's the waters of money and your own greed, where you think just one dollar more. Whether it's the, the waters of pride, if I can just get that one more pat on the back, if I can just get that one more promotion, if I can have that one more door of ministry open up to me. What if the, what if the waters of lust, if I can just get one more, one more nightstand, one more. One more look at that picture. I'll be satisfied. I'm here to tell you this morning that you ought to put down the donuts. And put down the Kool-Aid. And listen, listen, listen to the words of your sister this morning when she says, Lord, give me water. Give me that water. That living water, that loving water, that lasting water. I don't want it from the well of this world anymore. The waters that Jesus gives replaces the waters from the well of this world. You don't need 
any one more thing, beloved. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. This morning, the Lord would replace all of your earthly needs with him. And in him find satisfaction and completion. Please, sir. Please, sir. Would you pray that this morning? Please, sir. Please, sir. May I have that water. May I have that water. These waters replace, but these, all, these waters also revive. And after sh- Jesus tells her to I'll call your husband and, and reminds her that he knows just as she knows that her heart has not found any satisfaction in these earthly relationships. It would seem at first glance that after she hears Jesus, she wants to change the subject. And no doubt the words of Christ, as they often do, as they have done for some of us this morning, makes you a little uncomfortable. That's why you don't want to say amen. I get it. And so rather than saying amen, it seems that she wants to switch the conversation up on Jesus. Kind of take the attention away from herself. Jesus was getting a little close to home. He was beginning to step on her toes. And so she thought that she would just change the conversation from her personal life to public worship. But what she doesn't realize, beloved, oftentimes what we don't realize is that this is just what Jesus came to talk about. He came so that you and I could do that for which we were created to do, namely worship God. He's saying, I stopped by Sychar, I sat down by this well, so that you can realize that you were not created for the pleasures of men. You were created for the pleasures of God. I came by here to talk about worship. Funny you should ask. For the living waters that I'm giving don't just replace, but they revive. They revive true and right worship. Notice what she said in response to Jesus. He says, okay, so you know some things about me. But let me see how much you really know. So in verse 20, so tell me, Jesus, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim that it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? She began to quiz him on the history of worship. Because the Jews worshiped in Jerusalem following the example of David in the temple. But the Samaritans 
thought it better to worship in Mount Gerizim following the example of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Jesus, what say you? Should we follow David or should we follow Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Notice what Jesus says in verse 21. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. In other words, he's saying to her, it is not where you worship, beloved, but whom you worship, whom you worship. You, you speak of your fathers. You speak of Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob, but I am here to reveal to you that there is only one father, and the only way to the Father is through me. Christ came so that worship might be rightly done to the Father only by access through the Son. That's what Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 18 remind us, right? That Christ has come himself to grant access to the Father. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, through Christ. Through Christ, our sacrifice of praise is acceptable to God. Through Christ, through Christ alone, as he would say later on in John chapter 14 and verse 2, Christ Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can have access to the Father but through the person and work of Jesus. True worshipers are Christ worshipers. And her desire, beloved, her desire for worship was not wrong. It just needed to be redirected. It needed to be revived. It needed a revival. It needed a revival. And that is what living waters do. When living waters come, living waters are revival waters. Living waters produce true worshipers. Living waters remind us that worship is not the place. It is not about mountains. It is not about temples. True worship is not personalities. It is not about the prophets. It is not about the preachers. But true worship is power. Power that comes by the Spirit power that comes by way of the truth. And those who worship in the Spirit and truth, beloved, are those who have been baptized with the Spirit of truth. Holy Spirit. Isn't what the Bible tells us that Jesus would do? Mark Chapter 1 and verse 18. That Jesus is the truth, and he is the one who baptizes with the Spirit. This is the living water of baptism. These are not the waters that you sprinkle upon your head, these are not the waters that you splash upon your face. But these are the waters that revive the heart. These are the waters 
that replace the old with the new. These are the waters that replace the dead with the living. These are the waters that replace the hard with the soft. These are the waters that replace the wrong with the right, the dark with the light. These are the waters that replace the false with the true. These are the waters of true worship. These are the waters that bring revival to the soul. Because these are the waters that reveal. These are the waters that reveal. These are the waters that revive, beloved. These are the waters that replace because these are the waters that reveal. These are the waters of revelation. These are the waters of redemption. These are the required waters this morning. Notice what the woman said. Verse 25, she says, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And notice what Jesus said. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. I don't know about you, beloved, but when I read that, it was like this. These waters in my ears were filling up because I could hear her bucket filling up. Her bucket was getting full. and It was springing forth to overflowing, beloved. Her bucket was filling up with living water. For when she first saw Jesus sitting by the well, she saw a Jewish man. When she started listening to him, she heard a prophet. But by the time he finished speaking, she was looking and beholding her Messiah. Her bucket was filling up. And it was changing. It was changing her life. Changing her life. Why? Because this is the effect of living waters. This is what the waters of Jesus do. They don't just replace. They don't just revive. But they reveal. They reveal the truth about Jesus. They reveal the truth about eternal life. This is what Jesus called them, right? In verse 14 of chapter 4, what did he call these waters? He called them eternal life. Why? Because the only way to have eternal life is to know Jesus. These waters are knowing Jesus. How do you know Jesus? Because Jesus reveals himself to you. That's how you know him. Because he reveals himself. 
That's what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. You don't know Jesus unless the Spirit of God reveals Jesus to you. And this is the evidence of those who have been filled with living water. They come to see Jesus. They have eyes to see Jesus. They get ears so that they can hear Jesus. They get hearts so they can receive Jesus. They have minds and lives that are living and longing and leaning and trusting in Jesus. This is what it means to have your bucket filled. It means that the Spirit has opened your eyes so that now you see Jesus. And you see Jesus as all you have because you see Jesus as all you need. You see Jesus. This is what it means to have eternal life. This is what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. is that you love Jesus. You see Jesus. You long for Jesus. You love Jesus. And you know why you love Jesus? Because you come to see and understand that Jesus has first loved you. That's what it means to have those living waters what it means to have your bucket filled. It means that you are filled with the Spirit. People ask me from time to time, how can I know that I'm saved? When I can give you a whole list of things, I could, I could give you a, a litmus test that you could take and satisfy your, your fleshly longings and satisfy your, your sinful mind, but if I had to boil it down to one thing, how do you know you're saved? Do you love Jesus? I mean, not the Jesus of the fairy tales, not the Jesus of anybody's figment of their imaginations. I'm talking about the biblical Jesus. Do you love Jesus? I'm not talking about your life having everything together. This woman didn't have it all together. I'm not talking about having all your, your T's crowded and your I's dotted. I'm not talking about everybody looking at you as if you're some right and holy and righteous upstanding citizen. I'm talking about in your heart, regardless of the circumstances in your life or what is going on, I'm talking about regardless of the failures and the faults that you see in your life every day. I just want to know, do you love Jesus? And if you love Jesus, 
That can only be because he has first loved you. And he has revealed himself to you. And you have drunk from those living waters. This is what the Spirit of Christ does this morning, beloved. The Spirit of Christ replaces, doesn't it? Replaces our longings for satisfaction. And Jesus comes and says, come, come to my waters and drink. Come to my waters and be satisfied. Come to my waters and be made whole. Let me replace the earthly longings of your heart. Spirit of Christ replaces, but not just replaces, it revives, doesn't it? You and I have been created for one thing. We have been created to worship. And our hearts are restless until we find that for whom we were created. Living water comes and revives your soul. Jesus comes and says, the worship you seek, I have come to give. Spirit of Christ replaces, the Spirit of Christ revives. Because, beloved, the Spirit of Christ reveals. He has come this morning to open our eyes once again so that we would see the beauty of Jesus. He has come this morning once again to open our ears so that we could hear the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus. He has come once again to open our hearts so that we would again receive Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning? Please, sir. Please, sir. Give me those waters. I Want those waters. Fill me up. Heal me, Lord. Restore and revive me.